Let the high praises of God be in their mouth and a two-edged sword in their hand. You're listening to Sword in Hand Podcast, Bible-believing preaching emanating from Indian Gap Baptist Church deep in the heart of Texas. Definitely not politically correct, but glorifying Jesus Christ in every way. So let's join it in progress. So James uh, is starting here in verse 14. He says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? Well, we know the answer to that question is yes. I just preached a couple of weeks ago. I preached a sermon on it is finished. Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, after he shed his precious blood, he said, it is finished. And then I went through some verses and I showed you that you're saved by grace through faith plus nothing. Not of works. And it's all about faith. It doesn't have anything to do with your work. You can't add to this salvation. All you can do is ask for this salvation. I showed you through that sermon that salvation is a free gift. God has wrapped it up. He's bound it up. It's gift. It's finished. All you can do is come and take it or you can reject it. But it's a free gift. And you must receive it. So as I preached this and I preached that whole sermon on it is finished. A lot of people who would hear that sermon... If they were of different denominations, maybe, they might say, well, what about James chapter 2? What about James chapter 2? And there might be somebody turn you to James chapter 2 and try to show you where James says you've got to have works to be saved. And I'm going to show you these verses before we get going too far. I'm going to show you these verses and show you what James is talking about. So go back up to verse 14 and let's, let's examine this. What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works, can faith save him? If a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be ye warmed and filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth it profit? If somebody comes and knocks on your door and says, You know, I'm, I'm kind of down and out. I, I'd like to, uh, can I borrow some groceries? Can I borrow some food? And you say, You know what? I love you and I'll be praying for you. Good luck. Well, they don't need a prayer right there. They need a loaf of bread right there. That's what they need. They need a loaf of bread. And that's what James is pointing out. That doesn't do them any good. When you say, tell somebody, hey, I'll be praying for you, don't just say that. Yeah, I'll be praying for them, but do something about it too. If, 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 they're, if they're down and out, maybe uh, they, have a, they have a doctor's appointment to go to, and you say, well, I know you're sick, and I'll be praying for you. I hope you can make it to the doctor. I'll, I'll pray and you'll be better. Why don't you help them make it to the doctor? You see, you see the point the Bible's making here? Verse 17, even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead being alone. Yea, a man may say, thou hast faith, faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. Thou believest that there is one God that doest well. The devils also believe and tremble, and that's true. It's not just enough to believe Jesus Christ walked on earth. It's not just enough to believe Jesus Christ died for your sins. You must receive this free gift. You must ask Him to save you. We, got all, we went into that a couple of weeks ago. But verse 20, But wilt thou know, O vain man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he had offered Isaac his son upon the altar? Seest thou how faith wrought with his works, and by works was faith made perfect? So there's a faith and works thing going on there is what he's trying to teach. Verse 23, the scripture was fulfilled which saith, Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness. That's right out of Romans chapter 4, what we were studying a couple weeks ago. And he was called the friend of God. Don't you wish you were called the friend of God? I hope God thinks I'm his friend. I want to be a friend of God. Verse 24, 
You see then how that by works a man is justified and not by faith alone. So they'll take you to these scriptures and they'll read these scriptures through there and they're pretty convincing. They go, well, I've got to have works. Or... So what's going on here then, Brother Keegan? What James is talking about is that what Paul talks about is you're justified in the sight of God. When you accept Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, you receive that free gift of that gift that's been finished and offered to you. When you receive that instantly, you're justified by God and you're saved in the sight of God. What James is talking about, look back at verse 18. Verse 18 is a key verse to all of these scriptures here. It it explains what James is trying to tell you. Verse 18, Yea, a man may say, Thou hast faith, and I have works. Show me thy faith without thy works, and I will show thee my faith by my works. James is referring to justification in the sight of men. He's talking about being justified in the sight of men. He's saying, yeah, you say, you, you say you're a Christian. Well, I don't see nothing showing me you're a Christian. You don't have, James is saying, you don't have to doubt I'm a Christian because look at my works. My works show you that I, have, I am saved and I am a Christian. Guys, this is the honest truth. If you're a born-again believer and you're not doing anything for the Lord, it makes people doubt if you even know the Lord. Amen. Only God and you know, but it makes people doubt it. One other thing about the book of James you need to realize. Turn to James chapter 1, verse 1. One other thing you need to realize is when you're looking at the book of James, and show this to anybody who tries to put the book of James on you. Some people try to put the book of James on you. You've got to realize the book of James wasn't written to you. Look at verse 1. James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to who? To the twelve tribes which are scattered abroad. Greeting. James is writing to the twelve tribes of Israel. He's not writing to Christians. He's not writing to you. So that right there should warn you that, yeah, spiritually you can get a lot of truth out of the book of James. You can get a lot of truth, but doctrinally, doctrinally be very, very careful with the book of James because it was written to one of the 12 tribes of Israel. You see that? That right there should give you a warning when you start that book out that, hey, this is a little different. This is a little different because he's writing to the 12 tribes. Okay, now turn to Ephesians chapter 2. That's a doctrinal truth about the book of James that some people forget. Look at Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9. Everybody should have Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9 memorized. Because what does it say? For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Amen. That's the verses right there. Amen. You're saved by grace through faith, not of works, plus nothing. You're just saved because you asked Jesus Christ to save you, and God's going to save you because you asked Jesus Christ to save you. Is it that simple? Yes, because God wants everybody saved. He's not going to make it hard. He's not going to make some work. See, guys, you've got to understand, if God made salvation a work part of salvation, there'd be some of us who couldn't do it. If, you're, if you had to do some kind of work to get saved, let's say God says, okay, to get saved, I need you to go to church, and I need you to walk down the aisle. And when you go to church and you walk down the aisle, That means you're saved. I'll save you if you'll do that. What about the people who can't get to church? What about the people who can't get down the aisle? See, God's not going to make it that confusing. God says, I don't care where you're at. If you'll bow your head and ask Jesus Christ to save you, knowing you're a sinner, He will save you. That's how simple He was. He wouldn't make it hard. If He's willing to go die on the cross of Calvary, He's not going to make it hard for you to get saved. Amen? He wants to make it as easy as He can. So a little eight-year-old can do it. Or an 80-year-old can do it. This is what I want to preach on this morning. 
The verse that nobody thinks about is verse 10. <laughs> Look at verse 10. For we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. I want to preach this morning on, you're saved, now it's time to get to work. You're saved by grace plus nothing. You're not saved by works, but now that you are saved, time to get to work. It is finished. It is finished. Now it's time to go to work. See, isn't that an oxymoron? That's an oxymoron. It is finished. Yeah, but now it's time to go to work. I thought we're finished. That's the Christian life. Jesus Christ says, if you'll lose your life for me, you'll save it. If you try to save your life, you'll lose it. See, all oh, this Christian life is just oxymoron. It is finished. Now it's time to go to work. First thing you need to know about salvation is once you're saved, God expects you to get to work. Verse 10. Your workmanship created in Christ Jesus unto good works. Oh, work. The word work, that's a four-letter word to anybody, isn't it? Especially the Christians. Christians don't like the word work. They don't like to think that Jesus Christ expects them to do something. But he does. He expects us to get to work. When I was growing up and I worked at a grocery store in Brownwood, Texas, I was a young man and I had to sack groceries. And I remember being a young man in that grocery store. This a woman came in and she had all these groceries. And she was paying all these groceries with food stamps. And back then, that was when food stamps were food stamps, a stamp. You know, you gave. And she's going through paying for all of it. And she gets to the end and she's trying to buy dog food with food stamps. You know, you can't buy dog food with food stamps. And there's nothing wrong with using food stamps if you need them, amen? But this lady was trying to buy dog food with food stamps, and the cashier said, ma'am, you can't buy dog food with food stamps. And that lady got so angry and so mad. She said, fine. She took that dog food and she threw it back at me, and she went to the back and she bought a ton of hamburger meat. I'll just feed my dog hamburger meat. And I thought, wow, look, I was looking at all this meat, and I'm sacking all this meat she's buying. And I remember grabbing these groceries, putting it in the cart, and I remember taking it out there, and she got into a brand new Cadillac. I mean, brand spanking new Cadillac. It just blew me away. I know that story makes some of y'all angry, doesn't it? The truth is, is God doesn't want you to be on his welfare plan. God wants you to get to work. God wants you to get to work for him. He wants you to work. He's ready for you to get to work. Now turn to Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1. Titus chapter 1, verse 16. The book of Titus is an amazing book. And we're going to stay in the book of Titus through most of the rest of this sermon. It's a book about works. This is important because now that I've finished the sermon on salvation and how it's not tied to works at all, now you need to know as a Christian you need to get to work. Titus chapter 1, verse 16. They profess that they know God, but in works they deny Him being abominable and disobedient, and unto every good work, reprobate. So see there, Paul says, in works they deny him. Your works prove your allegiance. This goes back to what James is saying. You say you're a Christian, well, your works should show that you're a Christian. Amen. Listen, you're, what you're doing, your life, the works you're doing, the things you're doing should show somebody that you're a Christian. That's important to God. Amen. God wants you to show your allegiance. He wants to separate you out. And your works are going to show you and show other people that you are aligned with Jesus Christ. 
You know what's the sad thing is? The reason why some Christians don't do some of the works that they, God wants them to do is because they're afraid some people are going to align them with Jesus Christ and mock them for being with Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. They don't want their allegiance to be known, but God wants your allegiance to be known. God wants people to know that you're aligned with Jesus Christ. Once you become a born-again believer in Jesus Christ, that, from that point on, like it or not, you represent Jesus Christ. Amen. You represent Jesus Christ. And everywhere you go, people are going to say, that's a Christian. And you want people to know you're a Christian. But you know what that means? Everywhere you go, people got you under a microscope. Right. Yes, they do. And oh, I hate that. They just put that microscope on you, waiting for you to mess up. So they, a hypocrite! Don't worry about them. You worry about God. And you keep working for God. You're working for Him now. He saved you. You're doing it because you love Him, amen. You're not doing it because you need salvation. You're doing it because you want salvation. You're doing it because He loved you enough to die for you. And now you want to pay Him back and say, you know what, I'm going to do something because I know this will be ha make you happy, Lord. Keep your finger here, but turn to Romans 6. Romans 6. You know, when you go to a restaurant, when you go to any restaurant, be it a fast food restaurant, whatever, you don't hardly ever see the owner, amen? You, you see the employees of a place. You see the employees of a place. Turn to Romans chapter 6, verse 18. You, but keep your finger or thumb on Titus. But you, when you go into a restaurant or a fast food place, you see, what you see is you see the employees of a place. They're representing that company. And if you go into a restaurant or a fast food place and that employee is rude to you or that employee is not nice to you or that employee has an attitude, what do you do? You hate that place. You don't know the owner. You don't know who owns the place. But you don't ever want to go back there. Why? Because the employee, the one that's working for the guy, is a jerk. Guys, we're keeping people away from Christ, from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, simply because we're acting like jerks. Amen. Some of the things we're doing is jerky. <laughs> Some of the things we're doing are not Christ-like. We need to recognize that we are walking around representing Jesus Christ, ambassadors for Jesus Christ, and that if we want to lead people to Jesus Christ and make a good impression to people about Jesus Christ, we need to walk around and act like the Lord wants us to act. Amen. Man, when you, that employee, I know just businesses, I don't know who owns them in Brownwell, but I won't go to those businesses simply because of the employees. They're, they're, they're rude to you. But it's the other way around, too. I was in uh, Abilene yesterday. And we was, I was at a Taco Bell. I had to run into a Taco Bell to use the bathroom. I was only going to use a bathroom at Taco Bell. But when I go in there, one of the employees up there says, Hey, how you doing? What's going on? What are you up to? And I'm like, nothing. I didn't want to say, I'm going to the bathroom, you know. So I sneak off, and I go to the restroom, and I come out, and I start thinking, You know what? I need to buy something here. Because they're not going to let me out of here. Sure enough, when I walk around the corner... I was waiting for you. Where were you? <laughs> you know, I kind of sheepishly said, well, I was in the restroom, you know. I had to go to the restroom. I said, I I'll just take a bean burrito, you know. So I bought a bean burrito, and I stepped back, and I'm waiting for my bean burrito to be made. And, and another guy comes in, and he looks kind of homeless. I'll be honest with you. He looked pretty rough, and he comes in, he walks by me, and he goes, are you in line? I said, no, sir, I I'm not in line. And he walks up to the counter, and the Spanish girl the Spanish girl comes over to the counter, and I'm not paying attention anymore, and I'm kind of over here to the side. And he says something to the effect, I couldn't really hear him very well, but something like, she says, what can I get for you? And he says something to the effect like, I, I, you could get me a new life. 
And that Spanish girl, I mean, she's in her early 20s. She says, there's life in Jesus Christ. That young Spanish girl, there's life in Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ will give you a new life. And that guy didn't know what to say. He kind of looked back, and I'm over there like, hit it, sister, hit it, amen. (laughs) I I was like, man, that's... I was so excited for her. And she looked at me smiling. I'm like, yeah, yeah, preach it, sister, you know. Like, I didn't know what to say. And I got my burrito and got out. And uh, I ran into my wife later on. I told my wife, man, we drove back by that Taco Bell. I said, there's that Taco Bell right there. I want to just stop in there and tell her I'm proud of her and everything. That employee made a difference. That made, I, now I think good of Taco Bell. That's crazy, isn't it? It's the same way I went into another place that had clothes there, and I was trying on some pants. Because I know y'all get tired of seeing me wear the same old things every Sunday. I'm speaking to you, Sister Carolyn. So I, I'm, trying on some, I'm trying to get on some new clothes. So I get out of there, and I put the clothes on. I get out of the, the changing thing, me and my wife. Yes, she was in the room when I was changing clothes. She's my wife. She's got the ring, the power ring to do that. So we come out, and I close the door, and I put the... Pants on the little hanger there. And this snotty-nosed brat behind the counter said, Sir. And I turned around. Sir, are, are those, those, don't, those won't work for you, sir? I said, uh, no, no, I don't want those. Well, put them over on the rack, sir, over there. So I, I grabbed them off the rack. I know, I know my wife's thinking, uh-oh. So I grabbed them off the rack, and I put them over on this other rack. I said, can I do anything else for you, like sweep or mop? And he just, <laughs> he just, he just looked down. I, I felt bad after I said that to that poor kid. Yeah, yeah I felt bad. And then I, I got out of the store and I told, I told, asked Kathy, I said, did I embarrass you? And she got all red-faced. Yeah, you know, I was like, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to embarrass you. That was just a jerky thing to do. But he twisted me the wrong way. And now I don't want to go back in that place anymore. You make a difference, guys. How you act, how you represent you is how you represent Jesus Christ. That's why nobody wants to be a Christian anymore because they see Christians like, I don't want to be like that. Or, what's the difference between me and them? Come on. They're acting just like me. They're in the same places I'm in. They're doing the same things I'm doing. Amen, amen, amen. But look at verse 18, Romans 6, verse 18. Being then made free from sin, this is after you're saved, you're made free from sin, you became the servants of righteousness. I speak after the manner of men because of the infirmity of your flesh. For as ye have yielded your members, servants to uncleanliness and to, and to iniquity unto iniquity, even so now yield your members, servants to righteousness unto holiness. For when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. What Paul's saying there is, when you were a sinner, you were expected to sin. See, when you were a sinner, nobody expects you to do anything but sin. You're expected to cuss. You're expected to drink. You're expected to act like a heathen. Because you're a heathen. But when you become a Christian and you're, ser- you're no longer a servant to sin, see? You no longer belong to sin. The devil doesn't have you anymore. Who has you? Jesus Christ. Righteousness. So you know what happens when you become a Christian? You're expected to start doing the right things. Not just Jesus Christ expects that out of you. The world expects that out of you. Some of these heathens walk around and they, they, they might give a $20 bill to somebody. Oh, that guy's such a nice guy. Why are they patting that guy on the back? Because they didn't expect him to do that. You see some of these heathens and they talk like, they talk like sailors. 
cuss, cuss, cuss. Nobody thinks nothing out of it. But let the wrong Christian say the wrong thing one time. <gasps> I can't believe he said that. I thought he was a Christian. Why would they think that about you? Why would they say that to you? Because they expect better out of you. Amen. They don't even realize what they're saying when they say that to you. But now they're expecting better out of you, and so does the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Had somebody call my phone and say some of the most rude, vile things about me over the phone. Of course, they don't do it to my face, amen. They have to do it over the phone. This is, this is years back, just in case y'all want to know. And they said some very, very vile things to me, and about me, and things about me, and it twisted me. And I snapped, and I said some things over the phone to them. And they said, oh, I can't believe you said that. That's no way for a preacher to talk. Well, my gosh, you keep pushing the button, pushing the button. I mean, eventually you're going to bang, win the jackpot. Amen? <laughs> you know, you keep pushing the right buttons, eventually you're going to win the jackpot. But the point was, I can't believe you said And I shouldn't have said that. But they were judging me. Why? Because they knew I was a Christian. They expected me to act and be a different class of person. And they have a right to expect that. Because I'm no longer a servant to sin. I'm a servant to Jesus Christ, to righteousness. That's what these verses are talking about. For when you were servants of sin, you were free from righteousness. Nobody expects you to act right. Nobody expects you to stop cussing. Verse 21, what fruit had ye then in those things whereof ye are now ashamed? For the end of those things is death. Think back now. Now that you're saved, now that you accepted Jesus Christ by faith, and you think back the way you acted, what did that stuff get you acting that way? Those things that you're ashamed of? I'm, I'm a fool, really, for admitting some of the things I've done from a pulpit. But the point was, I'm ashamed of these things. I'm not bragging on this stuff. This stuff shames me. What did that get me? Think back to it. It didn't get you nothing. But if you'll act like Jesus Christ wants you to act, and work like Jesus Christ wants you to work. Oh, these things bring life. An abundant life. Are you a Christian without abundant life? It's because you're not working for the Lord Jesus Christ. You're still living in the world. See that? For the end of those things is death. See, there's a way that seemeth right in a man, but the end thereof is the ways of death, the Bible says. We forget that. Now turn back to Titus. That's why it's so important to get off your duff Get off the couch and start working for Jesus Christ so he can work through you and you can have an abundant life. Abundant life. Look at Titus chapter, chapter 2, verse 7. Let's go on to the next one. So works proves your allegiance. Titus chapter 2, verse 7. And all things showing thyself a pattern of good works and doctrine showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of the contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. See, when you're doing these good works, nobody can talk bad about you. And if they did, they'd feel ashamed of it because they don't have nothing bad to say about you. Because you're a good guy and you're a good person and you're doing those things that are right. Man, when I was lost, I mean lost going to hell, there was friends of mine that I didn't want to take around my mom. You know why I didn't want to take around them around my mom? Because I was afraid of what they might say around my mom. They were that wicked. But as a Christian, you think anybody's ashamed to take you around parents, around their friends? Because they know you're going to do the right things, amen. But look, verse 7. The next kind of work you need to do, verse 7, and all things showing thyself a pattern of good works. We need to have, Christian, a pattern of good works. 
A pattern is something that is recognized and repeated. That's what a pattern is. It's recognized and it's also repeated. So as a Christian, we need to have a pattern. Then we don't need to do something, a good work, every once in a while, see? That's what the lost do. That's what the heathen do. As a Christian, we need to be doing something good all the time. To the point where people can recognize, that's a good person. That's a, that's a good Christian. Why? Because they, they do stuff that I recognize to be a Christian, and they repeat it. Some Christians, they do one good thing, and they think, oh, look, I did this one good thing. And they wait for God to come down and pat them on the back. It's time to keep doing good things. <laughs> be recognized and repeated. We need to have a pattern of good works. We need to be zealous of good works. Look at verse 14. Titus chapter 2, verse 14. Who gave himself for us. Jesus Christ gave himself for you that he might redeem us from all iniquity. He wants to clean you and purify unto himself a peculiar people. Zealous of good works. See, when Jesus Christ saved you, you're going to be strange from here on out. <laughs> You're peculiar to the world. The world thinks you're strange. See, where the world would say, we need to go, they slash my tires, I need to go slash their tires. As a Christian, we say, no, I need to forgive them. See, that's strange. That's peculiar. Somebody smacks me in the face, I need to turn the other cheek. And himself a peculiar people, zealous of good works. God wants you to be zealous of good works. What's that mean? Be happy and excited to do good things. Man, don't be one of them Christians that when you do do something for the Lord or you do a work, you're grumpy and mad about it. Nobody wants to be around somebody like that. God for sure don't want to be around you when you're like that. Be zealous, be happy, be excited. You know what happens when you do a good work? When you're doing something good for the Lord or whatever that is, it makes you feel good. And it makes you want to keep doing it because it makes you feel good. There's nothing better that makes you feel good than doing something for the Lord and working for the Lord. Look to chapter 3. Let's go down to the next one. Chapter 3. Chapter 3, verse 1. Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, and to be ready, be ready to every good work. As a Christian, we need to be ready to do good works. Be looking to do. What's be ready mean? It means be looking to do something. You see an opportunity? Take advantage of it. When you see an opportunity to do a good work for somebody or for somebody or just do good work the Lord. Only you and the Lord know about it. Well, take advantage of it. Be ready. Listen, it's hard to help somebody out financially if you're broke. If you're broke, well, you need to take care of some things financially so you can be ready to help somebody out. Whatever way it might be. Be ready. Be ready to every good work. Be emotionally prepared and financially prepared. You can't help somebody out if you're not emotionally prepared to help them out. So many Christians that are walking around, they're sad and they're not happy and, you know, it's kind of sad mouth. And who, who wants any help from you? Get right with the Lord so you can help somebody else get right with the Lord. Amen. Amen. Look at verse 5. Let's go on to the next one. This is the sixth one I've given you so far. Verse 5, chapter 3, verse 5. Not by works of righteousness which we have done. See, that's how you're saved. You're not saved by any kind of works you do. But according to his mercy, he saved us. See, there's that verse again. By the washing and regeneration and renewing of the Holy Ghost. Once you accept Jesus Christ, instantly the Holy Ghost comes in and lives in you. And then you're saved. That's how it happens. Which he shed on us abundantly through Jesus Christ our Savior. That, being justified by his grace, we should be made heirs according to the hope of eternal life. 
This is a faithful saying, and these things I will, that thou affirm constantly, verse 8, that they which have believed in God might be careful to maintain, maintain good works. These things are good and profitable unto all men. So the sixth thing a Christian needs to do once they're saved when it comes to good works is you need to maintain good works. You need to have maintenance on it. What do you mean maintain? It means you need to kick the tires. You need to check the oil. You need to look at your account. Here's some questions for you. How is your account up in heaven when it comes to good work? You realize that God's got an account up in heaven because He's not going to let you do anything for Him that He's not going to pay you back, amen. He's going to give you rewards for it. These good works, He's going to give you rewards for doing these things. So He's not going to let you get away with it. He's got an account set up. So how is your account up in heaven? If you were to be able to open your account up in heaven and look at it, would it be bare? Would it be blank? Would there be anything written on it? Have you done anything for the Lord? Time to get ready. Time to maintain it. You need to check that stuff. Maybe at one time you were doing pretty good. Maybe you were handing out tracts. Maybe you were inviting people to church. Maybe telling people about Jesus Christ. You were doing some good works. Whatever that good work is, only you and God know what that good work is. My good work might be different than your good work. Okay? But you have your good work. There was a time where you were doing that. And now you look at it and you're checking it this morning. You say, ah, I've kind of slacked off. I'm kicking the tires and the tire's kind of low. I'm looking at the oil and the oil's kind of low. I need to get things ready. I need to get things straightened out. I need to get back to work for the Lord Jesus Christ. Isn't he worthy? Man, he's worthy. Verse 14. And let ours also learn to maintain good works. There it is again. Maintain good works for necessary uses that they be not unfruitful. The main reason why you're doing good works is good works produces fruit. And if there's one thing that Jesus Christ wants off of you is good fruit. He wants fruit, guys. He wants you to be fruitful. Once you become a Christian, you become a fruit tree. And He wants fruit coming off of you. He expects it. It's not just something that, well, I hope I can get some fruit off of that. He wants fruit off of that. He expects fruit off of you. Remember what Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10 told us? You're created for good works. See, when He saved you, He saved you not so you could go sit on the couch and not do anything for Him. He saved you so you could start working for Him. You're not not saved through works, but you're saved to work. See, we don't work to get to the cross, but once we get to the cross and we see and meet Jesus Christ, man, what a wonderful Savior, and we have that experience of getting saved. When we leave the cross, we leave the cross with a working attitude. What can I do for him because he's done so much for me? In closing, turn to Luke chapter 6. In closing, turn to Luke chapter 6, please. Jesus Christ expects you to produce fruit. Look at Luke chapter 6, verse 44. This is our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ speaking. In Luke chapter 6, verse 44, this is what he says, For every tree... Every tree is known by his own fruit. You're known by your fruit, guys. This all goes back to what I've been talking about all morning. You're known by the fruit. People know you by what fruit you're putting on. They know you that way. Do they know you as a Christian? Could they take you to the courthouse and convict you for being a Christian? Or is there not enough evidence? Do they see you holding the Bible? Do they see you talking about the Lord? Is there enough evidence to convict you for being a Christian? That's a good question. They would this morning, amen. 
Amen. You made it to church. <laughs> yeah. They could convict you. For this morning, they could convict you. Praise the Lord. Amen. Praise the Lord. You made it to church. <laughs> it's better than a lot of other people. We passed about six cars. They were, what were they doing? They were scraping the road with the, the, the rocks off the road, and they were sweeping the road. There's like six of them all in a line down 218. And I drove by them, and the thing that came to my mind is not one of them guys is going to make it to church this morning. They couldn't be convicted. For every tree is known by his own fruit, for of thorns men do not gather figs, nor of bramble bush gather they grapes. They come to us as Christians because they expect us to do good works, guys. Christians are expected to do that. And we should do it. Verse 45, a good man out of the good treasure of his heart. There's that heart again from Sunday school. A good man out of the good treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is good. And an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart bringeth forth that which is evil. For the abundance of the heart his mouth speaketh. You got to watch your heart. That's where your heart's at. Your heart's not on the Lord's while you're not doing any work. Now look at verse 46 in closing. This is what Jesus says to you. And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? I'm just going to let those words lay right there. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing because I bowed my head knowing I'm a sinner and asked him to save me and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.